have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is a People of More podcast. Enjoy. It's a blessing to be here with you all on today, uh, on this beautiful day uh, that the Lord has blessed us with. I don't think that we had to blow our heaters too much this morning. Uh, the grass is starting to turn back green. Pretty soon, we'll be looking for colorful eggs in the grass, right? On this morning, we begin a new sermon series. Uh, this ser- sermon series is titled, Before You Give Up. Before You Give Up. There's a lot of darkness um, that exists in this beautiful time. Even though it's sunny outside, there are people who are suffering within. Uh, Even though there's bright lights, there's darkness within many of our hearts. And so I was inspired to do this um, series here at, at this time. I'm going to go to a very familiar book for you all. I know that you read this on a daily basis. Uh, Habakkuk. This is our daily reader. And the sermon title for this morning is When 411 Turns Into 911. When 411 Turns Into 911. Some of you may not remember, but before there was Google, you'd have to dial in Three numbers, and you can find the phone number of anything. Y'all remember that? 411? I don't know if they charged for it, but I know we used it. All right, well, we probably probably used a whole lot of of our parents' money up, but we needed to call the movie theater to find out what time the movie started. But as we look at this sermon today, we're going to see someone who makes a call. And they call for information, and it turns into an emergency. There was an awkward young man at one point in time in his life who was ecstatic to finally, finally build up the courage to ask a young lady for a phone number, right? And this may seem foreign to the younger people in the audience, but there was a time before uh, people exchanged Instagram accounts uh, to learn more about each other. You know, the young people exchange Instagram instead of phone numbers. But this young man... He got the phone number of this young lady, and he overcame his fear, and he was overcome with joy, only to realize that now he had to make the phone call. And so as he's at home, he thinks about using star 67. And this is foreign to a lot of people in here. Younger people don't understand star 67. You know, there was a time whenever you made phone calls where people didn't know who was calling whenever the phone rang. 
But then some genius decided that we needed a caller ID. And so that helped some of us to where we didn't have to hang up on bill collectors. Um, but it caused other people to avoid the phone calls. But this person, he said, he said, you know what? I'm not going to use star 67 because I don't want to seem like a weirdo and hide my number. And he realizes that it's kind of creepy that he calls block. And so he dials the number that he got from the young lady. And he waits. He, he of course, waits until his parents are off the Internet because you couldn't make a phone call and be on the Internet at the same time. This is, this is a 90s parable. Um, he makes this phone call. And the phone rings once. And he waits. And the phone rings a second time. No answer. And the phone rings a third time. No answer. And then finally the ringing stops. And he puts the most bass that he has inside of his teenage body. And he says, hello. <laughs> There's an awkward moment and an awkward pause, and it seems like it lasts for an eternity. And he just knows that this deep bass voice that he just answered the phone with is going to touch the ears of his beloved. She's going to fall in love, but instead, a deeper voice answers on the other end. I told you to stop having these ugly little boys call my house. That's the end of it. There is no happy ending to this story. Um, sometimes our hope is met with despair and disappointment. That's life. Everything isn't a happy ending. Everybody doesn't get the girl in the end. Everybody doesn't hit the home run when they step up to bat at the end of the game. But one may go in our reality, one may go into the doctor for a regular physical only to find out that they have cancer. Another may be dealing with a rough patch in their marriage and they're saying this is just a storm only for it to end in divorce. One may find out that the grace that they have built up from making payment after payment on time with their bill collectors or their light bill or their cable bill or their gas, the grace has run out. And I want you to know that that's normal. That's normal for us to face rough times. It's normal for us to t face tough times in our lives. But before you give up, I want you to know that the righteous live by faith. I do not know the end of what's going to happen in your storm and your trial. But I know that God has the best interest for you in mind. In spite of circumstances, I understand that he stands in all times at once. I understand that God is there in the moment where your problem begins. I understand that God is in your storm as it begins to hell. But I also know and I also believe that God stands in your solution, in your springtime, in the moment where the sun comes out and the crying ceases and you say, thank God. God is in every time. We want what we want, though, at times, but God knows what we need. That is not to say that God desires an evil outcome for us. No, that's not the God that I serve. Maybe your God, he wants to uh, catch you in doing wrong and 
and take you out like Nadab and Abihu, right? Maybe that's what you've built your character of God on, but my God isn't that God. He's not a vindictive God. But we have to understand that we are not the stars of God's story. Sometimes we believe that we are, this is our TV show. This is our moment to shine. And so nothing bad should happen to me. But I want you to know and I need you to understand that it's about Jesus. And without the presence of doubt, I want you to understand, without the presence of doubt, there's not an opportunity for faith. Let's look at this 411 call. This man that we're going to read about today, his name is Habakkuk. And his name means to embrace or to hug. And it's significant in this story. I love how the, 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 the people in the Bible, their names represent who they are and what they do. But Habakkuk, he's going to have to embrace God and hold on to God in this moment because there's a lot of doubt that's going to exist. Turn your Bibles with me. I know that I gave you some time there to look in a table of contents to find out where Habakkuk was. And hopefully you're there. It's a hard find, isn't it? Because you, 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 for those who have the Bible and you sit there and you let the pages turn like that, if you don't stop it at the right moment, it's just going to go right past. It's a really, really small book. Amen. All right. We're there. If you're there, say amen. If you're still finding it, say hold on. All right. It's almost the end of the Old Testament. And the Bible says the oracle that Habakkuk, the prophet, saw. He begins with a cry to God. He says, oh, Lord, how long shall I cry for help? How long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear or cry or cry to you violence and you will not save. Habakkuk, as he's here in this moment in time, he's dealing with some pressure. He's dealing with some pressure, y'all. He has problems in his life, but God is nowhere to be found. He's seeing the danger that's creeping up on him, but God is not there. He's wanting his bad situation to end. There's a threat to him. And he's crying out to God. He's saying, you're my God. I'm your God. But God is not anywhere to be found in his mind. And I want you to understand at this time, at the time of the writing of Habakkuk, uh, God's people are not doing right. Again, this is a moment where God's people are not doing right. And Habakkuk, he's faithful. He's a God embracer. He's the God hugger. He's the one that's trying to hold on to God. And he's saying, look, what's happening in our lives right now is not good. How long am I going to cry out and you don't answer? How long am I going to cry out while this violence is around me and it's getting closer and closer to me? And some of us are in this moment right now where we're crying out to God for information. I want to know what's wrong with me, God. I can't get right. I want to know what's going on with my health. I went in for a physical and now all of a sudden I got a death note. I'm fighting. I'm fighting, God. Where are you? This is where Habakkuk is right now. I need you to feel the emotion behind this. All of us have been in the storm. All of us have been in the dark place. All of us have struggled. All of us have been so low to the ground. And we had nowhere else to look but up. And we cry out at times in the darkness. And we cannot see God. 
Habakkuk continues, he says, why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? He says, God, I see evil in the world. God, I see wrong in the world. God, what are you doing about it? I'm faithful. I'm righteous. I belong to you. What is going on in my life? Why am I struggling? Habakkuk is dealing with it right now. He's going through it right now, y'all. Can y'all can y'all identify a bit with this? Being in a lowly place, being where you, there is no opportunity. It seems as though there's no opportunity to say thank you to God because he can't be found. God, when are you going to do something about what I'm going through right now? He continues. He's feeling the pain. He's feeling the turmoil. He's feeling anguish. Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention, they arise. He says something. He says, the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. Because of his situation, now he looks at the world and he says, the way that things are supposed to work, they aren't working right. You see what he says here? The law is paralyzed. Justice never goes forth. Nothing good is happening in my life right now. Sometimes we get there, y'all. Sometimes we're going through so much, even though God was just the greatest God that he could be to us a day before. When things start happening in our lives, all of a sudden the world has turned upside down and, and, and God is no longer a good God. And God is no longer a God that saves. And God is no longer a God who serves justice because it's not happening on our time. Sometimes, church, we transform who God is, what our reality is because of what's going on with us. Habakkuk is not alone in this. Job is not alone in this. He says the law is paralyzed. He says, so justice goes forth perverted. He says, God, there is no justice. There's no fairness that's happening in my world. But does Habakkuk stop being or belonging to God? Does God no longer see Habakkuk as, the, as his child because he has these doubts? I want you to know that doubts are going to come. We are human beings. We are but human beings. Sometimes we look at people who are in stars and we say, I can't believe that they're talking about this. They're struggling with this problem and they're talking about God in this negative way. I can't understand this. And that's because we're standing on the outside of the storm that we just got of last week. We were just in that moment where our hearts were transformed and where our world was transformed into this dark and gloomy place. And we walked around with the storm cloud above our head. I cannot understand why they're doing this, why they're doubting God, why their worldview is so peculiar. Because they're going through it. Because they're going through it. There's going to be a time in your life to where you're going to want God to act. You're going to cry out to God. You're going to have all the faith in the world and you're not going to hear a thing. 
But I want you to know it's not because God doesn't care. It's because God is moving behind the scenes. Doubts are a natural part of the life of a believer. Voice them to God. That's an act of faith. Does God already know? Yes. But voice them to them anyhow. That's an act of faith. Sometimes we believe that if I don't do anything, right, if I just sit and have faith in God, I'm not doing anything at all. If I'm just sitting here praying about it, I'm not doing anything. I need to be active. I need to be trying to change things. I need to be proactive. Sometimes the move is to wait on God. Sometimes the move is to wait on God. And so he calls for a 411 prayer. He stands up. He wants information from God. But what he gets in return, he's going to have to call 911 in a second. Look at verse number five. The Bible says, look among the nations. This is God's response. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded for I'm doing a work in your days. God says, I'm not sitting here idly by. I'm working. This is God responding to him. He says, okay, you call for information. Let me tell you what I'm up to. I'm doing a work among the nations. Wonder and be astounded. Then God says this to him. You wouldn't believe it if I told you. You see, the people so long ago that descended from the seed of Abraham that I said was supposed to change the world, that was supposed to bless the world, they're not being those type of people. So God says, you know what? Assyria is a great nation. I'm going to move through them in spite of you. Babylon is going to defeat Assyria. Egypt is going to eventually defeat them. But right now, God is saying, I'm about to use Babylon because you're supposed to be light bearers, but you're not taking the light to the world and telling the world who I am. So I'm going to allow Babylon to capture you so they can move you around so people can see who I am. If you won't be my people, if you won't spread and if you won't give to the promise of my mission that I gave to Abraham so long ago, I got I to gotta make some things happen behind the scenes. But he's telling Habakkuk right now, you wouldn't understand if I told you. You see, all that you can see in this issue is you. You see, when we get into these moments where it's all cloudy and we have this storm cloud above our head and it's all darkness surrounding us, we forget that big picture is God's mission to reclaim all people to himself. We exist in sorrow. We exist in despair when we don't have enough money. I don't make enough money here. God, what are you going to do about it? What is what you make have to do with what God is doing? God, I'm not ready to die. What have you done with the years that you've had in regard to his mission? God, my family is broken up. What have you been doing with your family in regard to God's mission? Again, I'm not stating that this is a punitive thing where God uses this. We see the character of God in the, the, the life of Jesus. I never saw Jesus look at a sinner on this earth and said, cursed are you. Here's cancer. I've never seen Jesus work like that. We see the identity of God through Jesus, right? Does Jesus move like that? Sometimes bad things just happen. Hmm? Sometimes times are just bad. Now, you can't play your part in what's happening in your life. 
God will reveal that to you. But God tells him, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. He said, for behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, right? Babylonians. He says, they are a bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth. He says, I'm going to raise up these evil, sinful people who have the ability to go where they please. Right. And these people, they seize dwellings that are not their own. They go into places where people live and they say, your house is not your house. It's my house now. God says they're dreaded and fearsome. God says they got big muscles, they got big weapons, and they don't care about anybody that gets in their way. Their desire is to conquer. He says their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. They don't look to me for justice. They don't look for me, to me for dignity. It's within them. And then he says something that's terrifying. Their horses are swifter than leopards. I mean, I know horses are fast, but you think about a leopard. Have you ever looked on YouTube and seen a leopard? They can go full speed and zigzag without stopping. God has explained they can do whatever they want to do. And God says, I'm going to use them. He says they're more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on their horsemen come from afar. They fly like eagles, swift to devour, God says. They all come for violence. All their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. Y'all know how annoying sand is. You go to the beach, you get into your car, you make sure you shake off all the sand. All of a sudden, you got a pile of sand in your car anyway. Sand is numerous. He said they're going to gather captives like sand. At kings, they scoff. They look at people who are in leadership, who have sovereignty, and they say, we don't care who you are. They laugh at rulers. They laugh at every fortress. You can try your best to build up defenses against them. It's not going to succeed. God is using these people. God is going to use these people. These evil people who are powerful, who are into ingenuity. They, they can maneuver and create Weapons. They can they can go in and take whole cities, right? And they're going to be successful in it. They're going to be successful in it. Again, I say they took over a, a great part of the world at that time. They laugh at every fortress where they pile up earth, they take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. They destroy and they move on. They destroy, they move on. God says, I'm going to use them. I'm going to use them. Guilty men whose own might is their God. They don't even worship me. But God says, I'm going to use them. And you look at your life and you say, how? How? How is what I'm going through? According to the will of God, according to the plan of God, how is this going to make any sense? There are going to be times when you call and you make your call for 411, it's going to turn into a 911 call. But I need you to remember before you give up, the righteous live by faith. You can't see the solution of what's coming. There's no evidence of it because what is coming is so dangerous to who you are. 
and to what God is. You're saying to yourself and you're looking at the situation and saying, what is prospering right now is not according to the plan of God. It can't be according to the plan of God, because if they succeed, God ceases to be who he is. If what's happening in my life right now is successful. Then God ceases to be who he is. And it troubles our faith and it causes us to doubt. We forget who God is. God asks, or tells him, this great nation is going to come. They're going to do very, very hideous things. They're going to have power. They're going to have sovereignty. But God is going to remind them throughout the course of this book that while they are them, I am him. Amen. You know, God was the first one to really care about pronouns, right? And using them accurately. Um, God says, I am, right? Uh, and I am he. God is him. And so at this point in time, he, he, he receives this call. Uh, or he, he, he calls out to God to get information. God tells him what he's telling him. And I can just imagine someone being on the phone. Y'all remember using phones, right? They had a receiver. And, a, and what was the other thing you're talking to? Well, receiver is the one you're talking to. What's the earpiece called? Earpiece. Okay, I'll call it earpiece. And do you remember being on the phone and the phone call is distorted? And what did you do? And I can just see Habakkuk at this time. God, I called you for information and you're giving me bad news. I must not be hearing this right. Hold on while I go use the other phone. There must be there must be a problem with the phone. There's got to be a problem with the phone, God. I, I know that I'm not hearing what I'm hearing. There must be a problem. And so 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 Habakkuk, he responds in verse number 12. He says, are you not from everlasting, O Lord? Are you not from everlasting? Are you not eternal? Are you not the one who exists, who did not need a beginning and has no end? How is it? That you use this evil nation. How is it that I belonging to you am suffering, am going through hard times, am struggling, have this storm above my head? If you are God and I am your person and I belong to your people, how is this happening? Why am I struggling? Why are times hard? Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. What you're saying doesn't make sense. He says, oh, Lord, you have ordained them as judgment and you, oh, rock, have established them for reproof. He said, you're using them for judgment. This is the one that you choose to have to, as your sure foundation. You're using them to correct. This is who you're using, God. You see, still, he received the word from God that he wasn't able to understand. And he's still transforming the world into something that God has not made it into. But he's still asking God these questions. And this is where we mess up with our doubts. This is where we mess up with our doubts. When we start to believe that we know better than God knows. I shouldn't be going through this. I should not be going through this. 
He's looking at the phone and he's wondering. Somebody must have gotten on the Internet because I'm not hearing clearly. It's a 90s reference too. Right. Somebody's using the AOL disc. Verse 13, you, you, God, you, you who are pure eyes than to see evil and cannot, cannot look at wrong. God, you, 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 you look at evil and you fix it right away. Does God work like that always? Sometimes he's winked at, right? Winked at evil. But he's explaining to God, you, you have pure eyes. You can't look at wrong. You don't. You, you. Why do you idly look at traitors? Didn't God tell him he wouldn't get it? God is saying within himself as he's as he's listening to the cries of his creation. He's listening to the pot speaking back to the one who has molded the clay. And he's thinking he's thinking within himself. God is those traitors are going to carry my mission and purpose that my people would not. Yeah, those traitors are going to do that. You see, my silence, my silence right now in this moment with not destroying these people who are evil. This is also grace, because as you are my people, you too have been disobedient. And there is no degrees to sin. He says, my silence tells me that I should not swallow up you and them together. Because in your disobedience, you refuse me as God too. And Habakkuk is looking at this and he's saying that they're going to be swallowed up by these people. He says, God, you're going to be you're going to be silent and we're going to be swallowed up. And God says to him, it doesn't matter if my people are swallowed up because I can bring life. I can bring back. I can bring life. Habakkuk, he still can't see. He says the man, the man more righteous than he and remains silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he. He's saying these people are evil. We are righteous. How can you allow those who do evil to succeed? You see, this is what we do at times. When we're going through it. Instead of examining ourselves, instead of noticing the bigger picture, the mission of God and what God is doing in this world and understanding that it's about more than us. We say, well, what about them? How is it that people who engage in evil things, they say hurtful things, they cuss, they rob, they steal, they do all kinds of sorts of evil, but yet their life is good while I exist in chaos? How is it that they are okay and I'm not? Why isn't tragedy falling upon their home? Right? This is what we do. We deflect. We point God in another direction. God, you should be looking over there, not me. Habakkuk, he continues on after he's pointed out that there's more evil people than he is. Then he continues on to speak about the majesty of God. He says, you make mankind like the fish of the sea. And he's not talking about mankind in a good way here. Just listen to what he's saying here. You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. Right. He says he brings all of them up with a hook. He's talking about the Chaldeans or Babylon. He's saying he brings them all up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet. So he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net. 
He says, you're allowing people to do evil things to us, to me, to our people. And instead of them seeing you and saying you're the cause of this, they worship the net. You really want to use these people, God? You want to use these people to correct and reprove us. Is that what you want to do? God told him he wouldn't understand. And sometimes, church, I need you to understand. Sometimes you won't understand. There are going to be points and times in your life where you're struggling, you're searching for answers, and I need you to understand. Sometimes you just won't understand. Doubts are going to, they're going to exist. They're going to be present. They're going to exist. What do we do? What do we do? If we really, really look within ourselves, we will realize it's not the real, it's not the real issue. It's not that God should be doing this or they're, they're, they're more evil than I'm evil. The real issue is within is why do I have to do right when they get to do wrong? Right? We want to tell ourselves that God should be punishing them, but the real thing that's happening within ourselves is why do I have to continue to do right when they get to do wrong? That's a, that's a, that's a reversal of how our hearts should be responding to anything in this world. You see, I don't have to do right. I get to do right. Because I have the Holy Spirit within me. Because when I was baptized in God, he, he, he no longer existed in a temple to where I had to go to be with him. Because God now dwells in me, I get to do right. You see, before I was struggling with the flesh and I had no help. When I went down into the watery graves of baptism and all of my sins were forgiven and I came up a new creation in Christ, I now have the ability to do right. I have the Holy Spirit within me. God lives and dwells within me. So I get to do right. I don't have to do right. But sometimes it's hard to see in the dark. We'll curse the day that we were born. Again, Habakkuk says in verse 15, he brings all of them up with the hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet. So he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them, he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly, mercilessly killing nations forever? How long, God? I know that you're in charge, but how long are you going to do it this way? God, I think I have a better plan. God, I think I can make this work in a different way. We're going to see in chapter two that he, the, the message is received by Habakkuk. This man who embraces God ardently. The message is received. He begins in, in verse number one of chapter two. It says, I will take my stand at the watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. 
Church, I need you to understand, it may seem at times that having faith is doing nothing, but it is doing something. You see, Habakkuk says, I'm not going to sit in my home and just wait for something to have. I'm going to look with hope. You see, a lot of us in here, we lack hope. He says, I'm going to go to the stand. I'm going to get up on this high stand so that I can see from a distance what's coming from God. Because when I have hope, I expect for God to do something. You see, when I have hope, it's also mingled with faith. And it helps me to remember that God has come through before. And since I know God has come through before, since I know that God can can create from nothing, since I know that God can revive and resuscitate, I can look into the distance that is not here yet. And I can say, God, I know you're coming just over the horizon. I know you're coming. So Habakkuk says, I'm going to take my stand and my watch post in a station myself on the tower because Habakkuk is a God hugger. He's a God embracer. Church, are we embracing God today when we exist in darkness? Who do we look to? Have we disciplined ourselves to be patient and long suffering? Some of us are short suffering. Oh, there goes some pain. God, I'm, I'm going to have to step out on you. How many faith watchers do we have in here this morning? Have you disciplined yourselves to be patient and long suffering? It's hard. It's hard, church. Sometimes we, we're out of shape spiritually. Sometimes we're out of shape spiritually. I, 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 I got up from studying the other night. I, I went to the gym, close to midnight. It's raining outside. And I'm like, you, I, I got to do something today. Terribly out of shape. And I go into there. And I'm like, well, I'm not getting on the treadmill. Because my plantar fasciitis is going to be screaming if I'm pounding my feet on there. I'm not getting on the bike, right? That's 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 for the ladies. Um, so I said, you know what? This elliptical machine looks interesting. So I'm on the elliptical. I don't have to pound my feet, right? I'm on there. I'm like, man, I must. My legs burning. I'm shaking. And I looked down at the time. It said three minutes. I'm like, Goodness gracious! How many calories is in three minutes? You've burned 15 calories so far. And I'm telling myself, you know what, man, I, I, I just, this, this is discouraging. It's discouraging. Three minutes and my legs are tired. I used to run track. I used to play football. And now I can't do this for three minutes. Some of us are that out of shape spiritually. And when our legs begin to shake, we just give up and step off. Well, God is going to be our Gatorade. God is going to be that cool air blowing out that machine. Isn't that convenient now? They got cold air that comes out of machines. I think we power it as we move, I think. I don't know. God is going to be all these things to us, but we step off. We say, you know what? I'm going to leave this faith thing alone because it's too hard. It's too hard, God. My spiritual legs are shaking. I'm out of breath. I can't breathe. We step off, not realizing that the second wind is coming. Athletes, do you remember the second wind? You used to, they used to, I used to think that was a myth. 
Don't you stop. Stevens, I can hear my coach now. Because when I think he's not looking, I'll start walking. Right? And you keep going and going, and eventually the second win kicks in, and you can finish. You can finish the race. You can finish the race, y'all. Are y'all listening this morning? You can finish the race. You are in darkness. You are struggling. You are in chaos. You're seeing the enemy win. You can finish. It's just hard right now in the moment. You can finish, though. And you don't understand what God is doing. It doesn't make sense to you. But we'll understand it by and by. He says, I'll take my stand at the watch post and station myself on the tower. I'm going to look because I have hope. I expect God to come through. I know that God is going to come through. I know he's going to do it. He says this also. He says, and, and, and look out to see what he will say to me. And whatever I will answer concerning my complaint, I'm going to look out and wait to see what God is going to do. But before you give up, church, remember the righteous live by faith. He says, he says within this, continue on with me in chapter two. He says, Two, verse number one, the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. God says, I don't want you to put this down on something that isn't going to last. Put it down on this tablet. Write this down. Take this to the bank, God says. Take this to the bank, what I'm saying to you. Write it down. Take a picture, whatever it is. Save it on Facebook so you can see it in a year or so. For still the vision awaits it's appointed time. It hastens to the end. Verse number three, it will not lie. If it seems slow, what does the Bible say? Wait for it. Y'all see that in, in, in Habakkuk 2 verse three? For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. Write down what I said. Have faith in what I'm saying to you. God says I win in the end. If you believe that God wins in the end, trust and believe no matter the circumstances right now, in the end, we win. In the end, we win. Some of us, some of us, if we, if we watch movies like we live our life, the Avengers will still be dead. Because we give up in the middle of it. Thanos killed everybody? Oh, man. It's terrible. Some of us, if we if we watch movies like we live our life, well, that Titanic sure was a successful cruise. Do we stop in the middle? We don't see what happens in the end. Oh, it sure does stink that Rocky lost, and he lost a girl. If we lived our lives like we watch movies, right? Or we watch movies like we lived our lives because we give up in the middle. Not making it to the end. But God says, write down what I'm saying. Put it on the tablet. Verse three again, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, church, what? Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. That means that my timing, God is saying my timing is the right timing, not your timing. Verse number four, the Bible says, behold, take a look at this. He's saying, behold, pay attention. 
He's saying, pay attention. His soul is puffed up. The one that I'm using is not of me. God's saying, I'm using this, but it's not of me. His soul is puffed up. He doesn't exist as a child of God would. Your issue that's going on in your life right now isn't according to the will of God. God does not desire for you to be sick. God does not desire for you to have cancer. That's not according to the will of God. The things that are that are, are, that are happening in your life. That are evil, that are wicked. Think about how Jesus deals with illness when he's on this earth. He rebukes it. He rebukes it because that's not God's will for us. You go in for that physical, find out you have cancer. That's not God's will for you. You having a rough patch in your marriage, ends in divorce. God doesn't want that for you. You're struggling with money. You have your lights cut off. You have your water cut off. God doesn't want that for you. Sometimes life gets hard. Sometimes life is bad. But the big picture is, the big picture is, is that God is still faithful. And if we wait with hope, expecting God to show up, he will. Now, I need you to know, some of us, when we get up on a tower, we get up on that tower and we call ourselves holy and we say we're closer to God than we've ever been. But we're not looking out on the horizon for God to come. We're listening to other human beings. We go to our homeboys and our sister girls and our sister friends or whatever. And we say, you know what? I'm struggling with my life right now. I don't know what to do. Everything is dark. What do you, mere human, think about what I'm going through? And you know what we do to each other? We uphold each other in the wrong that we do. Mm. Well, you know what? Don't change nothing about what you're doing. Keep doing you. Yeah. And we'll think and we'll call that faith. Well, such and such told me. What did God say? What did God tell you to do? How do you wait? And who are you looking to? Some of us have faith. But we look to hearing a word from other people instead of God. Some of us are waiting on a response, but only to respond. Have y'all seen this before? Uh, when I go into a classroom and I'm teaching, I'm doing my lecture portion of the class, and you got, you got students that will sit there the whole time with their hands raised, not caring about nothing you have to say. They just want to get their word in. Isn't that annoying? We don't do that, adults. We don't do that. We don't, we don't just ignore what the person that's teaching is saying and just hold our hand up so we can respond. Some of us do God like that. God, uh, you have a lot to say right now, but let me tell you how I feel about this. Right? You're telling me that I should have faith and that I should be looking with an expectation that you're going to act, but let me tell you what I think you ought to do. Let me tell you how you ought to come over the horizon. Don't we do that? God says, write down what I'm about to say. God says, write, write it down on something permanent, right? Of course, well, it was permanent at that time. Uh, write it down on something permanent. Put it on the tablet. Behold, his soul is puffed up. He says, the one that I'm using, these Chaldeans, their soul is puffed up. It's not upright within him. But he says, but 
He says the evil are going to be evil, but he says those who are righteous, those who do right things, those who live according to my will and my way, he says those people will live by his faith. The righteous shall live by faith. God, I don't know what's going to happen. God, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, I don't see an end to this situation. I'm struggling. I'm crying. I'm calling out to you. I don't see anything happening. But if I have doubts and I match that up with faith, I will live by this. I don't know what's coming on tomorrow, church. Sometimes people come and they tell me about the hard times in their life. I can't tell you what's going to happen every time. And I don't have every answer to every problem, but I understand that God knows. And I understand sometimes we don't need to know what's going to happen, because if we knew what was going to happen, we ain't going to learn through the darkness. We are going to learn through the pain. We are going to learn to wait on God because we expect God to act when we want him to act instead of just trusting him in the darkness, in the pain, when the storm cloud is over our heads. We so to be honest with you, sometimes we need darkness. Sometimes we need pain. Sometimes we need sorrow so that we can appreciate the goodness of God. Because we as human beings are quick to forget. We are. God knows what's best for us. He knows. In this moment, Habakkuk doesn't see that God is going to use the ones who defeated Assyria, the ones who will defeat, who will be defeated by Egypt, the ones who will eventually be defeated by Rome and this great empire. They're all going to play a part in God's big plan. You know why? Because God is going to use even the evil empire of Syria and Rome and the Chaldeans, Babylonians, whatever you want to call them at this time. God is going to use all of these nations for his purpose. You see, the Romans are going to come by and they're going to develop this strange form of punishment called crucifixion. And through this strange evil thing that they're doing, they're going to confirm Old Testament prophecy that he's going to have to be on the tree. And that his bones are not going to be broken. You see, Rome is also going to play the part of persecuting Christians whenever they just want to sit and stay in one area and not go out to the world. Yeah. Rome is going to burn and they're going to blame it on the Christians. Rome is also going to be the ones who's going to make Christianity a national religion and spread it even further than the apostles did. God can use the darkness. God can use the chaos, church. Trust God in all things. Before you give up, remember, the righteous, they live by faith. You can take that to the bank. You can take that to the bank. If you're not a Christian this morning, I want you to understand that you live beneath your privilege. God, God, he loves you. God loves you so deeply, so deeply that he was willing to come down in the form of a human being to die on the cross. He lived the life that we live. And because he understands all of our pain, all of our hurt, all of our sorrow, all of our woes, Jesus was in a moment like this in the Garden of Gethsemane, the same type of issues that Habakkuk is dealing with. But Jesus didn't come and say, God, you know what? It might be better if you did this. And why are the Romans able to do this? Why can't one of the apostles crucify me? If it be your will, let it be. Do you believe that Jesus came to this earth, hung, bled, and died on the cross, was put into a borrowed tomb, and rose from the dead? 
Do you believe that? You must. We must. For salvation, we must. You must be willing to repent of your sins. You must reorient your life towards the will of God in his way. You must confess that Jesus Christ is the God. We pledge our allegiance to God when we confess the name of Jesus. They asked Jesus a question, and, and Jesus was killed because of this. Jesus was killed because he said that he was the son of God. Right? That's why he lost his life. Same crowd singing, Hosanna, praise God, are then are going to turn on him and say, crucify him. Because he didn't fit the mold. That's, that's coming up soon. That's going to be the Easter series. From Hosanna to crucify him. Right? Uh, we confess Jesus as the son of God. He died because of that confession. We died because of that confession. When we are baptized in the watery grave of baptism, when we are baptized in the watery grave of baptism, the old us dies. God does a miraculous work in the rite of baptism where he has the blood of Jesus meet us and it cleanses us of all of our sins and we are created as new creatures in Christ, ready to begin our journey towards eternity. If you would like to be baptized on this morning, if you would like to ask for prayer on this morning, if you feel like you may be ready to give up and give out and give in, I want you to understand, right now is the time to have hope. Right now is the time where your doubt needs faith. Won't you come as we play sing the song of invitation? Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God.